you're listening to For Eternity and Until, where together we uncover how to bring heaven to earth in our everyday choices and live the life we were created for. I'm your host, Tori Mayhine, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get this party started. Okay, today is so special. I have Elisa here with me. She's a Christian speaker, a podcaster, the author of numerous books, mm-hmm. and her life's goal is to make healthy disciples who make yeah. healthy disciples. And you do that through Revelation Wellness and everything that you touch, your mission is carried out. And I am just so excited that you're here and that we get to have so things together. I'm so excited. I love seeing you in my Instagram feed. You're your fave for me. So it's such a delight. That's why I, I, these are when I get the invitations to go into someone's house. I'm like, I'm coming over. Yes. Let's You're in my sunroom. Let's have yes. a convo. That's yes. my favorite. It's I I reached out to you via Instagram after realizing that there's just been so many times where whether it wasn't directly from you to me, like this is the first time we've had the honor of talking. But so many times where the message that you have carried faithfully and obediently from God to redeem the health and wellness world has overlapped in my story and met me through someone else's book or a podcast Mm -hmm. or the suggestion of a friend or a revelation wellness coach. I know Mm -hmm. a few of them and love Mm -hmm. them. And I just thought, it would be so cool to have you on here and to discuss yeah. what the Bible has to say about our bodies, yeah. what the Bible has to say about health and wellness. And yeah. gosh, this is a message that is definitely being resurfaced, I think, in the church right now in more yeah. ways than one. And it's so timely and so needed. And there's so much redemption. Yeah. They got already doing, but I think has yet to do because people have yet to hear, uh, what led you to the wellness industry? Was it something you were always interested in? And Mm -hmm. my question specifically for this and what you do and the position you hold and the message you carry in the space, was there an encounter with God Mm -hmm. that led to the decision to be a voice of redemption in the wellness space. Tell us that story. Yeah. Well, I can, as far back as I can remember, that is very active. I remember doing, do you know who Richard Simmons is? I do know. Good girl. Good girl. Points around. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I remember doing Richard Simmons in the front room with my mom at age like six or seven. And I thought it was so fun because it was active. I was just very active. I took my first aerobics class in 1985 and it was literally called an aerobics class yes. in like a strip mall and just a brown carpet and a record player in the corner. Oh, and come I, loved on. I loved it. I knew I took that class and I laid on the floor at the end of the class and I had a sense, a thought, a sense that whatever that woman just did, I'm going to learn to do that. And I was only 14 years old. Wow. And I, so I started going to that uh, class with all these moms. Like it was just, I was 14 and this, all these moms in the eighties. And then I joined a gym and my body started responding. So I fell in love with fitness. Like my body was made to em- emote and to move. And, uh, so I, I was at home in that space. Mm. Um, but 
know Jesus. I was just kind of doing it and it was the thing I was good at. And then I started getting a lot of recognition for it of people going, Hey, your body responds. And this was like in the late eighties to the early nineties when the bodybuilding and fitness competing scene was starting to peak. So I fell into that and, um, I hated it. (laughs) I hated it. I hated, I hated not eating. It was terrible. I just, I hated getting on a stage. So I did a little, I did it for a little bit, mostly because people told me I would be good at it and they gave me awards for it. So it seemed like, well, I guess I should do that, but I had no joy. Oh yeah. No joy. Let's just hear that really Mm -hmm. fast. Cause that Mm -hmm. in and of itself is a message. I got a word for it. I told I was told I would be good at Great it. Great at it. Yep. Not oh, a yeah. reason to do it. Nope. But when you don't know who you are and other people get to tell you, it will make sense at that time. And so I did it, but I was so miserable and angry and <laughs> unhappy. And I was using my body as power and using my body as it was just, I was disassociating. I started to dissociate more from my, from myself. Wow. Yeah. And I, um, but I did love fitness. I still love, I love helping people. I love teaching classes. Like I said, I, something just turns on in me when I have a room full of people, even if it's just five people. Um, and, and it's, it feels like that feels somewhat like the anointing of the Lord for me, not that it's about the body, but when I get in my body, and I pre, or I encourage back then I was just encouraging people and it's very easy for me to do. Yeah. And then, um, I was training clients because I had the awards and all the things, mm. but my life was empty on the inside. I had all the things on the outside, had the body, by the way, speaking of people telling me what I needed to be, they told me, you know, if you could go further in your career, even as a personal trainer, And on, if you want to keep competing, if you, your, your proportions are off, you don't have breasts. Like I had, I didn't have the right proportions because other people could display that femininity that I I just wasn't given. So then I changed my body so that I could fit that mold. And I was just so unhappy. I like, I had everything you would look at me go great, but inside I was not good. Met my husband, got married. He was not in, not a believer I was not a believer at that time. I was a Christian by name. So I knew Jesus. I grew up with the awareness of him in my home. I saw, I didn't know, I wouldn't call it religion in my home as much as rebellion. Like people who said they love Jesus, but then continued to sin Mm. and, and be dysfunctional. And like, this is what I didn't see any change because Jesus entered their life. I was like, all right, well, good to know. Jesus. Uh, he loves me. Good to know. (laughs) And I went on my life and then I was miserable. My marriage was about to fall apart because we got married and that was the real reckoning. That was when, okay, something has to change my marriage. There's what's wrong with me. Like I was acting out sideways, like needing my husband to be everything for me, needing so much of him. And, and so that brought me to Jesus. Our marriage was almost over year, year one. We almost got a divorce and I was like, something's got to change with me. So yeah. I started going to church and I heard the gospel, like for the first time, like my, so my friend who was a personal, a new friend in a new community, cause we had just moved there. And I didn't know anybody. She invited me to go to her church, Calvary Chapel Camarillo Aww. and yeah. She came up to me one day and just said, Lisa, do you know Jesus? And I was like, we're at the gym. I'm like, who's she just said the word Jesus. 
We want to raise our kids to follow Jesus, to be resilient disciples. But how? How do we make discipleship a priority in the busyness of our everyday lives? Turn everyday moments into moments that matter. With guided conversations through God's word and fun hands-on activities for a variety of ages, talk about the new family discipleship subscription from Awana was made just for your family. You can try one month of Talk About for free with the special promo code, all caps, ETERNITY. Start today at talkaboutdiscipleship.com. And I said, well, yeah, uh, yeah. She goes, great. You, sh- you should come to church with me on Sunday. I yeah, said, oh, so great. well, I went, oh, I can't do that. She said, why? I go, well, my husband isn't a believer and I, I, I can't, I can't go without mm-hmm. him. And she goes, so like you go go by yourself. You, I was such a, and I loved it. And I'm an Enneagram eight, which is a challenger. So I heard that like, Oh, she just challenged me to go. She went there. I I love the strategy. She's like, whether or not she says yes or no, my next question is going to be like, cool. Not even question the next command statement. Yeah. You're going to come to church. Yeah. Yeah. Go by yourself. Like, okay. Love it. So, um, I, I didn't go right away. I stuck that kind of tell, I, I stored that away. And then it was probably within the next couple months, our marriage was coming undone. Like yeah. everything was going sour, bad. And that was when, I mean, God really did save the marriage to then us to kind of work on it. But I decided to work on me. Like I can't control this. I got something has to change in me. Yeah. And so I started going to church. I heard the gospel. And it changed everything. Like it started changing everything. And the first day I was at the church, first of all, I always like to tell this, I went late. So I wouldn't have to do the weird worship thing. Uh-huh. Like yeah. the raising the hands. I was like, whatever they're doing with their bodies. I don't know what that is. I'm not doing that, which is hilarious. Cause course, like, that's, that's like all I do now. Hilarious. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. It's like, it's okay. Yeah. We'll get oh, Gosh. So I would come in late, but I came in late and he was preaching on the woman at the well. Wow. And it was my story. I was like, this is it. I'm the woman at the well. I've had many, many men, many people wake. I'm thirsty. I've been trying to find it. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Oh my gosh. That was amazing. And I started, I, I, I took Christ into my heart, like, okay, I'm doing this, raised my hand that first day, like recommitted my life and it changed everything. And then I couldn't see my clients the same way anymore. Like I was, the gospel was changing everything for me. I was seeing people more for more than just bodies that need to be changed. I saw souls. I saw hearts. I saw desires. I saw sadness, brokenness. And I just knew it's not about the body, there's a, there's not, there's, yes, there's a physical poverty or physical lack, you know, when there's strength or whatever, but it's more of a spiritual lack. Yeah. So then God just started showing me more and more of what he was doing, but I was still kind of resistant. Like, this is weird. People are going to think I'm weird. God, this is weird. Yeah. And I remember, um, he really started putting the vision, uh, kind of that invitation of, do you want to write, do you want to do something with me? Like, do you want to do this with me? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I didn't, I was really afraid of what other people were going to think. Like, this is big. My husband was still really not a believer at that point, And it was just so much change. But I love telling this part of the story because I think this is a relentless God. I remember I would go to the gym 
or do something, I'd be moving my body and I would begin to see people like I'd hear a song. I could see like lots of people just free in their bodies, like women moving and like different shapes and sizes. And it just was beautiful. And I would see it and he'd be like, you want to do that? And I would say, no, I don't want to do that. That's a nice picture. No. And he'd keep giving me the invitation probably three or four times. I would have this like visions, even coming at me at night. And then one day I sensed in my spirit, he said, Elisa, I'm going to do this on the earth. You can come now or you can come later, but I am going to do this. And it wasn't like a threat. It was just a, because he's like, you can come now, come later, but I'm doing this. And then that hit me. Like he knew what he was getting when he called me. He knew he's getting a banged up, wounded girl, orphan spirit, but she doesn't quit. Like if I, if I open a door to her and say, want to go in, she'll be like, yes, I do. What's in there. Wow. And, uh, so that was uh, the invitation. I said, yes. And then I started writing and I started taking what I knew from what I under, you know, understood in, in the industry and what we knew to help people facilitate change. And I just did it with, looked at the gospel, looked at the Bible and put that all together for my first book. Wow. So how, how old were you when you had your encounter with Christ in that first year of marriage? I was 27. It's so cool to see that this is just a side note of that. Mm-hmm. When, when we're called by God to do something, yeah. that old adage that says, you know, he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Yeah. It's just so true because yeah. you didn't grow up in church. And if you didn't grow up studying the Bible and you grew up, you know, using your body and learning all of yep. these elements about fitness, and then to immediately be filled with the Holy spirit and know I can open up my Bible with the mm. same authority that I learned anything else. Amen. God will give me the knowledge, the mm. you know spiritual gift of knowledge. He will give me the spiritual gift of prophecy to speak what is true. Amen. I'm going to piece this whole thing together and offer it as a sacrifice before the Lord and believe it's going to do good for the lives of others. Yeah. It's just, it's cool to know that it's like, I didn't go to Bible college and then got my oh. degree here and then did this and then did that. I just opened up my Bible. I used the knowledge that I had and I offered it to God, period. Yeah. Amen. I love in the, in acts, I'm really always fascinated with the early church um, because they were uneducated and ordinary men. There was nothing, you know, Jesus himself, there was nothing that would cause us to think spectacular of him. And, but they did powerful things because they had the Holy spirit in them. They were bold. They're courageous. So I definitely, I mean, if the Holy spirit is everything to, in terms of, I mean, I, all of the father, the son, the Holy spirit, but I know him because he has filled me with his presence through the power of the Holy spirit. So I would be, it's like when David would say, I, where would I go? Like I better is, is to be a door holder in your temple than anywhere else. Like, I just want to be with you because life without him is terribly boring and exhausting. <laughs> Tell me, how did that affect your relationship with your husband then? Your bold yes yeah. to serve yeah. God with your gifts and fitness and knowledge and wisdom in God's word mm. for others. How did that translate to your relationship? Not good. Um, initially good, then not good, then really not good. 
and then amazing. So that's the story. Um, he, like I said, he was agnostic and not a believer. He wasn't against church, but he just had no interest. He started seeing the changes in me and he got curious and he's really smart. I'm very, very intelligent. I mean, he's like Mark Zuckerberg smart and he, yeah, just really smart. But so that's hard for a really smart intellectual. So he started doing his research, like started reading C.S. Lewis, reading all the books. And he actually was like, okay, this Jesus person, I think this is it. This is life. And so he took Christ into his heart. I was there the day he said the sinner's prayer. And so it transformed us like, oh my gosh, it was amazing. And we were equally yoked. It was just, it happened pretty fast. Like I came and he came and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is happening. Like we're going to have a real life together. And then, um, he quickly, I always translate this to the parable of the seeds, like the seeds that go into, um, the thorns that choke, right. Or the, or the rocks and the worries of the world or the cares of the world that came for him because all of his knowledge then started to turn towards, well, what about carbon dating and wait, how old is the world? And like all the doubts, all the doubts, because it's called faith. It'll never, (laughs) you can't get like A plus B is C. And that was harder and harder for him. His heart came first for sure. But then his head started, the enemy started using his head to backpedal him out. So he became an atheist for 10 years. As I was growing revelation wellness and feeling obedient to that call, he was, um, no, thank you. He was out. And that was even harder. It was hard. I was mad at God. I'm like, why would you bring him, take him away? Now you've called me and I don't have the support. And so it didn't work out well for many, many years. It was really, really, really hard. And many people at that point would have given up. Yeah. And many people at that point would have been like, what? forget it. You're not real God. I probably would have, if I didn't have the relationship, the indwelling of the Holy spirit that I had to, to, to endure and persevere, I would have left my husband and got a divorce. I know it. I've been like, okay, we don't, you're a jerk. You are mean to me and you've been persecuting me, but that Holy spirit, that passage in first Corinthians seven about men and women, you know, women do not separate from your husband, but if you do seek reconciliation with that man or never marry again, that was a verse that kept me kind of holding on Mm. and that the man will be blessed through the, the unbelieving is blessed through the believer. Like, okay, okay but it took 10 years. And I think now I perseverance journey. Yeah. Tori, I do believe that that was actually the Lord used that as my crucible years to say, are you, do you, am I enough? Will you love me? Will you trust me? And, um, that I will, I will turn this around. And, uh, uh, it was hard. I I can't say, I feel a little bit, it took a, it felt a little bit like a little trauma in my body. It was such hard years. And I guess I encourage that for anyone who you've maybe been hurt. You feel hurt by the Lord. You feel like he let you down. You feel like I did all the right things and you didn't show up the way I thought. And I think it it's fair to say it does resonate like trauma in the body. And there's, I think there's, and he knows, and he does heal. I can tell you now he is, he, I, I don't even have, I think of Joseph when Joseph says he calls his firstborn Manasseh, because I remember my pain no more. Like I literally feel that I, when it comes to my marriage with my husband, I mean, he still irritates me, trust me, but (laughs) there's still, I would really be a really good spirit for him. Yeah. I could, I could play his Holy spirit really well, but I don't get seem to do that. And even though 
oh, we've lived through some really hard times. I really don't remember my pain. I mean, I remember those times, but the pain doesn't lodge itself in me like it once did. But I think again, part of the ministry of revelation wellness is we help people metabolize their pain, come back to themselves. The Mm -hmm. separation that we have between our body and our mind and our soul has everything to do with the wedges that the enemy puts in the doubts, the unbelief, the hurt, the pain, the uncertainty, the anything he can do to convince us that God isn't good. He just splinters us in, which is why when Jesus says, love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, it really takes all of it and goes, okay, reconcile me again today, Lord, bring me more wholeness today than I had yesterday. And he does little by little he does. Wow. And what is, so what was the turning point after the 10 years that led him? I just got to hear the rest of the story. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I tell this, I tell, I go into deeper detail for all our revelation wellness instructors. They know this story, but they, the real turning point was, um, there was a moment where the Lord, uh, gave me permission to say, Hey, we've got to go to it. Uh, we got to, we got to do something. And I was like, we just got to go to counseling. I didn't, I didn't even say Christian counselor, really something. And he was, I always say those 10 years, my husband is an awesome man, but the enemy used him. I was sleeping with the enemy for 10 years. The enemy just was at his mind and just trying to speak death over me. And lots of mean things were said as an atheist would say to someone who's a believer. Yeah. Um, but he finally, um, he would not go to counseling and the Lord said that I could, I could take a week. I could separate from him. And I always am very careful to say that on a podcast. If I'm someone hears that goes, that's it. I'm leaving my husband. No, I can tell you 10 years. And I waited and waited and waited on the Lord until he provided a path for me to go because it goes back to that verse, first Corinthians seven 11, a woman is not to separate from her husband, but if she does, she is to seek reconciliation with that man or never marry again. That was my heart. I wasn't going to go look for another man. I wasn't going to try and God knows. I was like, I will never marry again. I'm good with that. Like, I'm good. Uh, but, I'm going to go just do a lot of stuff. And yeah, no, it was none of that. It was actually, I knew that I was separating or taking a stance to pull back from him so that we could be, that we reconciled. Could be reconciled. We could reconciled. So, and that's exactly what happened. But I'll tell you the spoiler, spoiler alert of it all, which is so awesome how God works. We did start to, we, we had a separation time. It really broke his heart in a, in a good way, like a contrite spirit. And we had to start rebuilding our life, like really rebuild it. And he was saying he was no longer going to be an atheist, that he believed in God, but he wasn't sure about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Is that enough for you? Like, is that enough? And I, I had a list of like, I need you baptized. I need you in a men's group. Like and the Lord, like crumpled my list and just, I heard the verse in scripture. It says a smoldering wick. He will not put out, right? He's saying, I believe in God, but I'm not sure about Jesus yet. Is that enough for you? A smoldering wick. He will not put out. And I said, okay. So we started to work on our marriage, but really the big, big thing was he, um, became a volunteer police officer. Now, again, he's a really, really smart man. Like um, executive in a billion dollar tech company, yet he has this heart for valor and protection to protect and serve. So he decided to be a volunteer police officer. And there's a whole fun stuff inside that story. 
Um, and really it was about him being true to a design inside of him that he never was like his parents had no God in, in them. So they never raised their kid. Like, I wonder what God has made them for. Let's pull that out. Let's really, they just told him you're going to be an engineer. You're really good. You should do that. That's what your dad did. Your dad, dad did that. And so he just did yeah. that. So if someone doesn't come alive in their identity and their purpose, it's a no shot. So his identity was starting to form and his purpose was starting to come into real play with the police force. But what happened um, as a police officer, you get exposed. They have to train you to show you all the evil that's there. Like you have to see videos and things of babies and trash bags and things that are just ugly, like things he'd never seen before. Yeah. And then the context that they train you of how to, you know, what you're going to be facing a lot of. And, um, one day he told me that he's seen so much evil that makes no sense. He's like, it's so evil that it, it, it has, there's no sense to it. Yeah. And what he realized is that if there's evil in the world, that makes no sense. There must be a God who is so good that it makes no sense. Wow. And, put it together for him. Like, and, isn't that good? Total goosebumps. That's yeah. It's interesting that it's usually the problem of evil that draws mm. people away. Yeah. It's, it's distracting. When uh, C.S. Lewis was navigating his bridge between atheism and faith, mm-hmm. it was the presence of joy in the midst of evil mm. that caused him yeah. to have to go. I see people who have joy in the midst of this monotonous, seemingly meaningless cycle of evil. And I cannot explain that apart from the presence of a God or a reality that exists beyond right now. I have to explore that. He, he writes about it in his surprised by joy book. It's actually just, I, I say this all the time for people who navigate through life and all of the hurt and the harm and the pain and the trail mm. of it all without the presence of God that I'm like, I don't know what I would do. There would be no hope. There has no hope. to be a hope yeah, in the amen. brokenness. And we serve a God who, as my daughter surprisingly was like in the car yesterday, she said, is Jesus coming back? And I was like, yeah, that's like the whole end of the story. That's like where we're going. If we, if it's not, if we don't have the reality of the, our good God is coming back. He's making all things new. He's redeeming it all. The hope is established there. The story hasn't, and it's only by his mercy that he hasn't come back yet that we have a God who is seated in victory and he's coming back and he's restoring all things. This is the hope for us in the midst of our pain and brokenness. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, and I feel like for Revelation Wellness, that is the big picture of what we're moving towards uh, in, in what I think God is doing. And it's, it's really not about the fitness. We say there's a lot. It's not about the fitness, it's not about the, yeah. the food or any of that. But the, this movement of we know where the Bible's going, right? We know, we know how it ends. But we also know as a people, God's people, we are not going to be the popular ones on the earth. This is not going to be, I feel like the gospel before Jesus comes back, is just a full circle back to the persecution of the church where we, the person, by the way, the persecution brought us power. 
Yeah. And it's actually now in all of our rights and, and laws and comforts, we've lost our power. We've put our, 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 our trust into the laws and into the rules and into the protection. And as yeah. those are starting to get stripped away, we're going to feel a lot more of persecution and feel, uh, we're, we're going to, we're just going to, we're going to feel and watch and see it's going to be dark, but we are the light and we have the joy and we have the hope. So the, yeah. this burning brighter thing is going to get is going to increase. So it's, I feel like revelation wellness, it's our, our future to help people suffer well. And I know that's like, great. Who the heck wants that? But it, it just is a training. We're going to need to learn how to, there will be suffering in this world. You will have trouble, but being of good courage and taking our heart, we can do that. And that creates a tension, which all of health and fitness and change happens under tension. Yes. There's a resistance. There's something yeah. pushing against you. That's pushing into suffering and tears and and the bad things that are happening, but hold that joy for the joy set before him. He endured, we endure, and he will have a, a, he'll come and find faith on the earth because we endured and suffered well. So wow, it's a a training. Amen to that. Um, Okay. I, I have some questions in relation to the, what you do through revelation wellness and, um, you know, the women that are listening who, whether they have the story kind of like mine is similar to yours is that I was always active and like mm-hmm. was doing, or I was doing videos in my living room and I was like, yeah. so <laughs> I've always had a little job at a gym on the side and I've been in the wellness industry for the last 10 years in one form or fashion. Okay. But there's also lots of women who are like, I haven't even ever touched that because yeah. there's so much shame attached to it. Yeah. I, I can't even get myself to beginning. Um, and I found that in Christian circles, there's almost like either one extreme or the other. It's this yeah. hyper fixation. For yep. me, there was a hyper fixation on it. I used my body as a project, yep. earn my worth mm-hmm. to prove myself. And I would sugarcoat it and put Jesus all over the front of it of like, Jesus wants Come me on. to be healthy and happy. And my backstory in this 2020, God totally wrecked me on day 65 of my 75 day hard challenge in the Mm. midst of COVID. Um, I had committed to this challenge, not because God was like, Tori, we need to take this extra level of intentionality in your health or, you know, Tori, there needs to be some shifts. And there wasn't a motivation of obedience. It was actually hitting this place of fear and insecurity and instability all around me. And so I defaulted to what I knew and had picked up even in eighth grade intention class. When all the boys told me that I wasn't skinny enough, I picked Mm -hmm. up a diet plan and I picked up a fitness plan. And I was like, this is how I will control my environment and my, and I will find safety. Um, And there's others who they default to the opposite. I will detach from my body, detach from the design that God has created us to need nourishment, to need movement, to need rest, Mm -hmm. to need connection. I'm going to detach from that. And I'm going to, you know, turn toward apathy and I'm going to wait and I'm going to disengage. So there's either this hyper fixation or there's this apathy yep. present in the church. And yep. I just, 
I would love for you to just speak to that as someone who has led thousands of women through health journeys. And um, why do you think that there is such an attack against the body and either an avoidance or hyperfixation of it in the church? Well, the, oh gosh, the church. Um, (laughs) Well, the church, it's interesting. I read a book called uh, Dancing in the Streets and it talks about the history of um, dance in uh, over the course of time. And dance and celebration, like embodied celebration and joy was first part of of faith in um, a church community. People, uh, God's big about festivities and celebration. And that was a, that was a a real part of who we are. And that's actually really important to processing hurt and all the things like we've got to get in touch with joy and, and body early on in the church had a place like they, there was dance celebration. There's embodiment of faith. Yeah. But then it started to, um, according to this author that the book or the, um, church started to see church leaders started to see, well, they were starting to transcend when people would have joy or be in their body. It was almost like they were having an outer body experience. Like it was getting kind of weird or like, wait a minute, they were having so much joy that it felt uncomfortable for the, the systems that were in place for church. So they started to eradicate it, move it out, calm it down, so we started disembody in a sense mm. of, of our, of our experience of, of joy in the church and who God is. Right. And then it kind of, then it, we put that to sleep. And then, then we just see there was more like the body being dirty, the body being the thing that's stained the body that causes you sin. Like, really? I don't, I think the body doesn't cause us to sin. It's our, our hearts, like our, what we believe and think, and then our bodies use that. So it just got isolated and pushed out. And we haven't done a good job at any part of talking about the body in church. We haven't, I mean, even giving people married couples, understanding of sex, beautiful, like even singles, the purity culture, I understood its heart, but it backfired. It didn't really give people a more beautiful picture of what it's for and the why, not just don't do it. Um, We just haven't, we just haven't talked to the body or about the body really well. And I think that's just perpetuated. People still come to Jesus because they're hurting, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The Pharisees come to Jesus's disciples and say, why do your teacher, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus overhears them and says that it's not the, the, the healthy who are in need of a physician, but the sick go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And I've come to call the the sinners, not the righteous that I've come for the sinners, the sinners know they're sick. So everyone who's ever come to Jesus, Tori, you included me included, everyone who came to Jesus came because there's a history of some dishealth. There's unhealth. There's the sin that was done against you or that you have done has caused sickness in you. And it disintegrates you from your body, from your mind. It, it's a dis-ease inside of you. Mm. So in the churches, we come to Jesus and we kind of put our hands in faith or put our hearts in faith. There's no story about, hey, your, your body too has experienced some, whether it was abuse, sexual, physical, you've been promiscuous. Paul says sexual immorality, using your body inappropriately, is the one sin that's done against the body. Against Meaning own. I separate myself. If I, if anyone has hurt my body, done something to my body and I've done and used my body improperly in any way, 
I have, I've separated myself from myself, which means now I'm separated from God in great big ways. Yeah. Um, so I think the church just hasn't have the language yet. I think it's starting to get it. And this should be good hope for you. Did you know the um, podcast? Have you heard of that uh, series called the rise and fall of Mars Hill? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I do them all. Binge. Uh, binge me listen. too. Binge. I washed my whole house. I was like sweeping. My so good. Cause I couldn't stop listening. And I'm like, I need to be proactive and I need to like do stuff. So good. It's so good because it's really a cautionary tale of how pride and power in a church, you give one person power, you give them too much pride yes. and, and they will, they can destroy things. But the most recent episode, did you hear the most recent episode? No. Okay. You got to go listen to it. Cause I'm like, woohoo. So, you know, they, they go through the story of all the church hurt, the pain, the, what we're seeing of people going, no, thank you to your Christian faith and your, your yes. people. Like it's not pretty. Yeah. And now they've moved it. That ended, they told the story it ended, but now they've been spending the last three or four episodes of like, okay, how do we reconcile? How do we heal from this? What is the, what do we need to do? And yeah. Andy Kobler, and she wrote the book, try softer. She's a therapist. Mm. Um, went on and said, she starts the whole episode because he goes, what do we need to do to heal from this? And she said, well, I can tell you this. It's not in talking about it. You have to get in your body. Boom. Right there. It's in your, it's, it's, these people have experienced pain at a level that is traumatizing and they, they're, they're not going to be able to talk themselves out of this, the body there. So she kind of goes into some practices for the body. And I think once we start having that conversation back in a church to bring the body back in, Mm -hmm. and I know it feels woo woo for a lot of people, but there is so much to continue to go on how our body stores memory in our cells. Mm -hmm. Um, I always like to tell people, I mean, think about it before you had words, because you don't speak, uh, you don't have cognitive ability to form a sentence until a a, a real sentence and thought until you're about a year, almost two to three prior to that, there's a lot of things that you're just feeling and you're, you're a feeling machine. Babies cry, not because they think they're hungry. They feel hungry. Babies cry because they're cold. Not because I think I'm cold. Nope. They cry. Everything is an emotional expression, energy in motion, emotion Mm -hmm. proceeds our cognitive thinking. Wow. So we've, we've spent so much time in the church trying to thought, think about God and talk about God and inform ourselves of God. And it's all good, mm-hmm. but our heads are so heavy and our bodies are so emaciated. Mm. There's that, that book, the body keeps the score yeah. um, speaking about how you hold trauma in your body. And then another mm-hmm. one that I read that was not a Christian book. So there's some of it, you have to like chew on the meat and spit out the bones sure. but it's called burnout. Okay. talking about how you can complete the cycle of stress in your body. And, uh, and unless you do, which yep. is such an important yes. element of that yes. breathing, yes. they list, they list ways like one minute of deep belly laughter and oh, I love it. Yeah. completely, you know, fill the cycle and finish the cycle of stress in your body. So it's like, I actually release it dancing, singing, breathing, movement. And I could not help but think, of course, because God designed us to congregate at least once a week together to sing, to laugh, to Mm -hmm. embrace, to Mm -hmm. speak, to breathe hard, to dance around, you know, Mm -hmm. it's even on the Sundays when I don't feel like lifting my hands or like moving around or whatever, 
I do it mainly right. because I know God has designed my body to do this. Hmm. I look on my little daughter dancing around or, you know, just engaging in joy and the delight that I feel as her mom, how much okay. more the father to us. Yes. And when we think, I mean, it was, it was the hunger in the belly of the prodigal son that sent him running back to That's the throne. Right. That's it right. wasn't this logical realization. I'm eating food from pigs. It was, I'm hungry and I could probably get a better meal at my dad's house. Amen. Just a servant. It was the rumbling in our belly. I, uh, it wasn't until someone gave me the tools to actually know what does shame feel like in my body? Like, how's it feel mm -hmm. how's it in my stomach? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that I all, all of a sudden, even in moments where I'm interacting with someone or feeling that sense of discernment to recognize mm -hmm. the cues in my body to know something is happening here that I have to be aware of yeah. unless I had the framework and tools I you wouldn't I, it unlocks this whole other layer of intimacy in your relationship with amen. God as you understand your design amen yeah. amen yeah that's such good body uh intelligence we have it we just haven't no one's taught us how to listen to it no yeah or they teach us avoid all emotion other yeah. than you know joy or peace. Mm -hmm all these other things. Um, but God has designed us with body, mind, spirit, as he is father, son, and spirit. Mm -hmm. And the more we engage with the body that he gives us as a gift, like I can't, yeah. I can't, you know, encounter your soul apart from your body. That's right. No one can encounter my soul apart from my body. We can yeah, watch good. video, whatever. Um, but nonetheless, this body and all of its facets and color and shape and everything is a gift that we are given by God that displays his goodness and we bear yeah. his image. Amen. Um, I, what are some of the things apart from that message that you find are a repetitive theme that most people who you encounter who need redemption in this need to know about the body that God's given them? Mm, that one that it's good, their yeah. body's good. We have been hoisted, uh, lies have just been hoisted upon us by the enemy yeah. through this, especially in the last, it really is the last 40 years or so with the diet culture. We, we yeah. just took that thing, that horse left the stall and is running hard. And, and, and it was kind of bound to happen in some way because the body can, can you can control it. Oh, yeah. if I do this, I have this control. If I do this, I have this control. And so we've spent so much time in the last 40 years, just being controlled by uh, some ideal or standard that it was not God. It was man that set, you know, some standard of what beauty or body health was. Yeah. And I think now we're starting to see it kind of get thrown off. I'm starting to see it or maybe what you look for, you find, but I'm starting to see yeah. more people going, no. Our body's good. People need to know that their body, the body's good, that their body gets to be any shape or size they want it to be. Go have fun. As long as they have a heart, God wants them to have the heart is what he's going after. Yeah. And so if going for a run helps me have more of a heart of God, of like, I I'm hearing from him, I'm sensing more of what I need to sense. So I'm more available for him today. Great. Um, for others, it's a walk or however we, whatever we have to do to get back in our body, it really, really, truly matters, but we can't do it if we feel like there's something wrong with it. 
And if you're here and if you feel like it's something's wrong with it, then you're going to be prone to obsess or neglect. You're going to do just like that apathy or obsession route. If you really think something's wrong with it, but you've got to put your foot down in the line in the sand and know he's called good. All things are good. If it's received with thanksgiving for it's made holy through the mm -hmm. word of God in prayer, it says in scripture. And that is something we got to be in the word. And that's the funny thing. Did you know, Tori, that only 11% of Christians read their Bible every day? Yeah. 11%. So yeah. high odds, love all your listeners, but there's probably quite a few of you who have not read, just opened your Bible. I mean, you ate today, you ate today, you ate three times today, Mike, you probably ate and drank. This is it. And if we don't have the word of God going in us, show, show me who I am, God, let me see me through your eyes. And mm -hmm. by the way, the Bible is not about us. It's about him. Yes. So I'm not going to tell me more about me, but as I know him, I will know me. We're yes. interconnected together. There's no separation between me and him. Yes. So that, that the word is really, I, I know it sounds like, oh, everyone say the word, but the enemy does everything he can to keep us out of the word. Yes. And it doesn't mean you have to be a theologian or you don't have to go to seminary. You just got to right. really think of that Bible. And if I might encourage people, get the brick and mortar back, like get an actual Bible exactly. back. In your hands. Yeah. Um, it's not the same as the, you know, the digital is nice, but just open that page and, and begin to read and read until he grabs your heart. Yeah. But that renews your mind, you yes. know, read what, and then go and moving your body. That's why our revving the word podcast, we just believe so powerfully in them because we give you the word of God, but then you move your body. And mm -hmm. when you are hearing the information and your body's being occupied by a walk or a run or whatever you're doing, you shut down the limbic brain gets quiet. The fight, fight, freeze, the the pain, the, whatever it is that you, the shame, whatever it is that keeps you from God. Yeah. The movement puts a stick in the elephant's trunk when you go for a walk. And then that way, when you're hearing the word of God, it can move a little higher. Mm -hmm. It can get past some of those blocks that you have where you just can't sit down. Like Andy says, and think about these things more and write about them more. You got to get in the body because the body is trying mm. to work with you, not against you. So, so good. So good. So I, there are, there is a little bit of a gap for me sometimes when I think about this, like for me, I recognize, no, I can pair everything. I can, you know, hold hands with my giftings in health and wellness and my call to the gospel and I can run with it. But yeah. for along the way though, there was there's just a lot of confusion. I'm, you know, you sit with your clients yeah. or a sit with a friend who I, here's an example of like a friend of mine came to me and was like, Tori, I need to know how to lose 50 pounds in the next four months because I've got a wedding coming up and I bought a dress that's four sizes too small. And I was like, okay, wait, it's there's why a, did you buy the dress? That's four sizes too small. There's a trending sure. audio that says, I hope that's a joke, but if it's not, if it's a joke, that's funny. And if it's not, I can't wait to unpack that with you. There's <laughs> like that on Instagram. That's a really great example of like, yeah. I hope it's a joke, but uh, right. if not, then we need to talk about this mm. where she's coming to me for a physical result and I'm offering her a spiritual journey. You know, I'm like, how about we just honor the design for your body and we commit mm. to actions that, that honor your body. And we see where you end up in four months and you just buy a dress that fits your body. 
Like, mm-hmm. what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Um, and just in that offering, it feeling like it's not enough where there's yeah. people who are like, gosh, I really want to engage in this freedom that you're offering to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also need to fit into those size two pants mm-hmm. or I also need to lose the 50 pounds. Like how do we bridge the gap between these two things? Yeah. yeah. Give your insight to that. Yeah. It, well, it, it is really hard. Um, we know we're on the narrow road. Yeah. And the broad road says, yeah, we'll do 40, you know, 40 pounds in 10 days, whatever we can do that. We can sweat it out. So it's, it's, I think it's really important to meet people that want that with empathy and compassion, not with, um, you're dumb or that's stupid, you know, or to be offended or to feel like, well, I'll never be able to help you with that. But really Mm -hmm. that they are still thinking in line with things that have been told to them about, you know, health and their body. And it's just a, that's a hard cycle to break. Right. But I think meeting people where they're at and asking questions is so, so important. So you're exactly, like you said, that, that reel going around is I've got some questions. Um, (laughs) and, and I think if people are willing to work with you, great, but I think it's real important that we do be forthright with, Hey, I really want to meet you right where you're at. We'll do some physical stuff together, but what's also important, I'm not going to give you 40 pounds in two weeks. I, I can't, I, I don't, I wouldn't want to give you that gimmick because that's the definition of a gimmick is to make right. promises. You can't, you can't deliver on, yeah. um, you could deliver on, but they can't sustain it. Right. It's not, it's not going to do it. So I'm always pretty upright, forthright with that. And some people just, it's not going to be enough. You bless them, you pray for them, you let them go and know they've got to take another trip around the the wilderness, like another one around the mountain until they're ready. Another food plan, they'll do something and it'll, you know, work temporarily, but they'll be back. And you just really pray that, that they, they make their way back around again. I don't, I think it's, it's in being honest and saying, I've had people where I'm like, listen, I've even had people who don't believe in Jesus want to train with me. And I've, they know that I do. And that it's part of what I do, which is so funny that they still come. But I, I say, listen, I have no agenda. I do have a faith in Jesus and I understand that you have a faith in Muhammad, but Mm -hmm. if we can accept each other for where we are and just work together towards good, I think that would be a good start. And like, yeah, we can do that. And then you pray for those people and you pray because God is the living God. You are worshiping the living God, loving the hell out of them. Um, And you might not ever see anything happen. You're not there to, I'm not here to get another notch on my belt on how many people now believe how I believe I am planting seeds. I'm planting seeds. So plant a seed, be true to you and the gospel and, and do know that it will feel foolish to the world. It does feel foolish. It doesn't feel like it's enough. And I kind of always have to acknowledge that because someone will give you 20 pounds in two weeks or whatever. It's just not me. And it's just not freedom. No, it's not. Yeah. It makes me think of that story when Paul, is it? No, it's Peter and John are heading to the temple and they encounter the lame man and he asks for money. Yeah. Silver and gold. I do not have, I don't have that, but what I do have, I give you the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk, you know, this is the, it seems awkward to offer. I'm like, I know it's not what you asked for, but this is better. 
This yeah. is actually better. Yeah. What, if we, right. what if we chose together to yeah. walk in freedom? And I think the key thing is recognizing and knowing that right away when you enter into that freedom journey, mm. there's always going to be uh, an encounter with the lie from the enemy that says that's not oh, always. Good enough. It needs Absolutely. freedom and a six pack rock. <laughs> yeah. Jesus and freedom, a six pack. And Jesus and whatever the thing is that you're trying to, you have that misplaced mm-hmm. identity in. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question, a cu- one more question for you as we you know close out this conversation, but what are some practical ways that we can walk in freedom in our bodies? Like, mm-hmm. do we throw diets completely out the window altogether? Mm-hmm. Could you give us just some everyday, normal, everyday life examples? Yeah. Well, freedom begins the moment you say, I cannot do it the world's way anymore. Like you, you, there, that is the starting point of that's repentance. (laughs) That's I'm going to go a new way. I I've done it all. And here's the truth. If you haven't done it all and don't think you've done it all, you then you're not ready. Like you go again, go, you're, you're probably going to go and do the next program or the next thing. Mm -hmm. What is that saying that people are ready for change when they've suffered enough? and they know enough, then they're ready for change. If you've suffered enough, you've learned enough, you're, you're ready. But some people just, the suffering is, they're just, they're, they're not ready yet. So, but when you're like, I am done, I am done doing it. I'm done throwing money away. I'm done doing it and still not feeling satisfied, feeling exhausted by it. Like yeah. what you really almost have to sit down. And I always encourage people to write this down what benefits did you receive in that paradigm when you were doing it that way, the world's way, go Mm -hmm. ahead. What did, what did you, what did you benefit? So you can write down your positives or the things and then write down how it, how it was not good for you. Then the consideration is if everything you looked at that was good, can you consider something more and measure what if something was better then? but it would require this repentance to turn towards God and like, okay, God, it's really simple. It's not like, again, you're not going to seminary school. You're just saying, you know, God, I need to know. I need an, I need a new way and I need to know. And then it is back to the the word. And that's why I have like my books and resources, heir to the crown, things like that, that can help you associate back to your body. What Mm -hmm. he says is good. And then you're planting those seeds, moving to a new direction, but it does require you to consider it all rubbish. As Paul would say, like, Mm. if I never had the size jeans that I wanted, but I had freedom, would it be worth it? If I never got the six pack abs, whatever, would it be worth it? But I had freedom. I had real content. And I just think Tori, we're living in a time. I really think it's happening where this throwing off the chains is happening. People are like, this is my body and it is good. We're seeing it more. Now we're seeing it also in a way that is going to, can backfire and can yeah. be very rebellious. And now I have empowerment. And now I get to do what I want my body. And this is my body. And nobody gets to tell me what to write that whole, everything that's good that doesn't have God at the center will backfire. It'll boom or it'll, it begins to, if you take it too far, it's going to get you. It's going to bite you. It'll become an idol. Yeah. But every good thing, every good, perfect gift comes from the father of lights. He wants to give you more than that. And, and I think this is where we need to come together as the church, as daughters of the King, 
that we celebrate one another and we begin to see each other and call out the beauty in each other. We need to stop looking at things that don't align with our values anymore. You've got to, you've got to, you know, take off the accounts that are all that it's that detox of your brain and your mind. Like I am going to be free. And also, if I might say this in closing, we're so we're such physical creatures and we feel things and we see things and we put so much confidence in what we see mm. that our bodies are not the point of the, this whole story. Like what we look like really isn't the deal. God looks at someone that we would call hideous and he's like, they're beautiful. He yeah. sees so much more. So you want his eyes to see. That's what I want. I want to, I want to see what he sees all the time. so that I don't miss something beautiful that's right underneath me. And that is, that's a renew your mind every day and get in community with other people who can continue to call that out and move the wheels of change towards freedom, not necessarily fitness, but freedom. And in freedom, then you are fit to contain and hold the power of God, the presence of his peace, no matter where you go. The world needs more of that. The world doesn't need more thin bodies, skinny bodies, fit bodies, ripped bodies. It needs more free people containing and carrying the power of God. And you have to train for that. Yes. That same friend that came to me and said, Tori, I need to lose 40 pounds. It was my response to her that set her on a pathway of like, maybe I should, let's commit to the things that I need to commit to and go on the journey. And she just Mm -hmm. totally made my whole month when she sent me a text message. It was like the week before the wedding. And she says, Tori, I woke up this morning and it's like, I got it. I just understand what you meant. And um, she's like, I'm so proud of myself for the last four months. I am walking in freedom. It's sustainable. Amen. Honoring my body. I'm down. She was down 30 pounds, which was amazing. We're celebrating her. Like, good job, my friend, you know? And she's like, and I bought a dress that fits my body and I look beautiful and I'm so proud. And I was like, we like, (laughs) you know, crying, you know? Yeah, Yeah. those are the good things. It came from an encounter that I had in my story to know I'm done with that. I can, I can pick up what I've learned and offer you. That's right. Something, something else. It's better. just something better. It's actually it's way better. Freedom. Amen. And, um, and okay. I believe that God is redeeming women's bodies. Um, Amen. I do. I do. I do. I do. I'd love to see the church be at the front of that and to really make amends for how we've hurt one another with assumptions of our bodies. And they, yeah. you know, we just, we haven't been, we've, we have hurt each other in the church backbiting and saying, yes. doing things. It's like, okay, God, so much purify us. Amen. Um, in closing, I always ask this closer question. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, what is your favorite Bible verse and why? First John 4, 18, perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment for there is no fear in love. That that's one of our sayings is that love is greater than fear. I've realized, and I really, really think if you get anything out of this, this time together, Tori and your listeners, what am I motivated by love or fear? Am I afraid if there is fear anywhere in your decision to to get on a, you know, start caring for your body or get in your body. If fear is the motivator, like of shame, like I'm, I'm afraid my husband won't love me. I'm afraid, whatever. 
that is not of the Lord. That actually feeds the fitness culture and diet culture really well. Fear. They perpetuate it. They want to keep you thinking and chasing after something that's yeah. elusive and they'll move it again. The fearing you're not me measuring up, yeah. but love perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment. I am a child of God. I get disciplined, but I don't get punished. Why? Love is from God is just the most beautiful discipline because only he can discipline us with his love and it will confront you <laughs> and comfort you. Like he has the ability to pull us in, put, hug us over, you know, take us over his shoulder, but pat our back to like, get that crap out of us. Like that <laughs> yeah. gas bubble, whatever it's got to yeah. come out. Nope. You're right here with me. There's a comfort and there's a call out of what, whatever is taking you from him because Fear will take us from the presence of God, but love will draw us right back in. It's a perfect love. So first John 14 always is mm -hmm. one that reminds me not to parent in fear. It reminds me not to um, make any decisions for the ministry in fear. I don't, I actually, I can sniff that out pretty fast. Like, Oh, okay. I've got fear here. Let me get with the Lord because yeah. he will eradicate this. And I can come back to this conversation or this decision with a courage and a boldness, even though I might not know what's going to happen. I might not know what's going to, the future is going to be, but I know if I rooted myself in love and not fear, then I've done, I've done what I've called to, what I was called to do. Amen. Thank you so, so much for your time today. This was a blessing for me. I needed to hear every single word and I'm Aww. sure love so many. I'm so excited to be here. Really, truly, it's always a get to, to reach out and get out of my little hole and go, what else is going on out there? What's going on? So Tori, I bless your community, your women. You guys are in good hands with Tori. I love how honest and authentic you are. And I praise God that he, give, he gave you a nice revelation. That's why we call it revelation wellness. Like, wait a minute here. I get I'm it. Do this. Yeah, I, I understand it, it now. It. Oh, it's so good. Thank you so bless much. It. Thank you, Tori. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you have a second, leave a review or post a comment here on the podcast page. It helps this podcast to be seen by other people so we can spread this message far and wide. I cannot wait until next week and I'll talk to you soon.